Matthew Doyle Thomas is executive vice president of Half Price Books, headquartered in Dallas, Texas, where we are currently sitting in her office. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Well, thank you very much for having me. First question has to do with your success. Perhaps you could uh, tell us why your company is being so successful. Well, I think, I mean, Half Price Books has been around 39 years this July. So we are based here in Dallas and we have 113 stores in 16 states. And I think really the company was started by a couple of, a couple of old hippies back in 72. Funny, I d I'm running into quite a few hippies here in Texas. I know. Who run bookstores. Well, what's great about it is that this couple, um, and actually the CEO of the company is the daughter of one of the founders, Sharon Anderson. Basically, the philosophy of the company was, is real simple. You know, it's we buy from the public anything printed or recorded. We make a cash offer. We look someone in the eye and make them an offer and give them cash, and then we encourage them to stay and shop around. And we weren't getting a particular good selection of certain books. So that's when we started buying overstocks from the publishers and right. remainders and hurry. Okay. And it was basically to supplement our inventory right. because we weren't getting it. Um, we started selling records, LPs, because somebody brought some books in and they brought some LPs with them and we're like, okay, we're going to make a cash offer on all of it that we have. You know, we bought and sold eight tracks yeah. and then we bought and sold we CDs and DVDs and we used to buy VHSs so we've sort of seen the as the technology changes we sort of kind of currently buy whatever's available and actually in some of our stores we've been offered and we've bought some ebooks mm, okay. so we'll try anything right. and I think that's you know I think that that in this industry in this time you really have to be pretty nimble you have to be able to react to the marketplace and you have to try new things and you can't be afraid to try new things mm -hmm. and say oh I would never do that because guess what the industry's changing and you have to do it you have to work a little bit harder to make every penny and that's what we've noticed and I mean there's double whammies it's the industry it's the book industries it's ebooks eating 10% of the business um, it's online. online selling of course mm -hmm. People are just finding different avenues to, you know, to buy their books, mm -hmm. and so they really, we really have to convince them that coming into a store is worth the trip. It's worth putting on, you know, taking off your pajamas and putting on some clothes and coming to the store. Right. And the more things. Well, some people probably just leave their pajamas on anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. some people do. I did notice someone in some pajamas and half slippers the other day at the store, mm -hmm. and I thought, good for you. Well, at least they got up. I know. At least yeah. they got up and they came in the store. Yeah. The sad part is, I think. Um, what we're losing or what the industry is losing is being exposed to great books because just reading about them online what great isn't enough actually mm -hmm. I took up Thai cooking because I walked by our cooking section I picked up this Thai cookbook and I went well I can do this and I started reading the ingredients and how difficult it was or, or that it wasn't in my case and I was inspired to go and do it and mm -hmm. went to a grocery store and a bunch of, st a bunch of stuff so I was experimenting later that night so it was serendipity. Yes. Sort of, yeah. I would not have done that online. Right. And I do jewelry and some um, different hobbies. I work with tile and stuff. And I love going and looking at the books and getting ideas and being inspired. Mm -hmm. And I don't do that. I don't get that online. There's a bunch of studies out that 
you know, when people, when kids learn to read, they need to really hold the book, touch the finger with the words, with the sounds, and maybe they'll get it from ebooks, but I think it's long, it's kind of, it could take a little bit longer for people to get that connection with it. And what's sad is, I don't know, I, my kids learn to read on my lap with mm -hmm. my arms around them, looking at big oversized books with big letters. Mm -hmm. And maybe they do it with a template, but I don't know. It's a different experience. It's mm -hmm. definitely a different experience. You were uh, experiencing success uh, at a time when a lot of used antiquarian bookstores, open shop stores, are closing. How do you explain that? It's simple. What we started is we made a cash offer, and it was set up like a typical retailer. We took mm -hmm. credit cards. We made a cash offer. We made an offer on everything that was brought to us. Any hour that we're open, we buy books. Okay. And it was it's very customer friendly mm. and consumer friendly. We don't um, pick and choose and say, oh, we will only buy this book and we push the others away. We don't do that. So you take the whole load. We take the whole load. And a lot of people like us. A lot of some people get upset. They want to get rid of the stuff. They want to get rid yeah. of the whole load. Collectors, of course, probably wouldn't be too happy with what you're no, offering. Because them. we're offering the same amount for five books as, in their mind, is for one book. I'm sorry, what does that mean? Well, if somebody brought, if you brought in a f five books, but four of them are really don't have very much value, but one is valuable, mm -hmm. and you say, "Oh, I've got five books, and I'm on being offered ten bucks." But if you brought that one book in, we may offer you ten bucks, and so in your mind. We're sort of taking advantage of you. How smart are the buyers in terms of knowing what books have real value and, and what don't? We are very similar to other used bookstores where you know, it goes down to the offer. It goes down to the buy offer and the explanation. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people that walk in the store that don't know if they have first edition or if they just have a book club edition. Yeah. But uh, we explain how, to how we sell and I mean how we buy from them. We explain the offer. We explain that if we um, can't sell this, then we're gonna donate it to uh, libraries and facilities and nonprofits all over the world. People feel good about it. So I think that, you know, a true antiquarian may not bring their books to us. They may shop online and figure out what their book is worth and take it somewhere else. But we, yeah. get, we get everyone out, and that's okay. So we get literally tens of thousands of books every day. And um, what do you roughly, what do you offer? Well, it depends on the book. It depends yeah. on the condition. Yeah. depends if it's fiction. depends if it's how current fiction is. People have brought us, you know, boxes of books that were left over from their garage sale. Mm -hmm. We're not yeah. going to offer them as much, but if yeah. it's a current New York Times bestseller, they get just finished reading, we're going to offer them a little bit more. Like how much? I'm not going to say how much we offer. Why not? That's, well, because that's part of the whole, I mean, it depends on the condition. If, it okay. if, if it's in pristine condition, you know, it's a first edition of a John Dunning book. One of the uh, mystery, you know, the book, the yeah. mystery books. It depends okay. on the book. We're not, okay. We don't quote. We don't quote over the phone. No, okay. You and we want to see the. We have to see it because people's idea of what the value of the book is so different. different from what, <laughs> what yes. they're going to get. It's and true, you know, you're expecting a book is going to look a certain way, and it comes. It you know doesn't. And you could say it doesn't have the jacket on it. Doesn't yeah. not have the jacket mm -hmm. on it. And then it could be inscribed to Grandma, <laughs> and yeah. it kind of ruins the value. So every. Everything affects the value of a book, like you understand that. Mm. But um, because we sell such unique and we buy such unique merchandise from the public, I think we're able to. I mean, we're we're able to last a bit longer than some of the new bookstores. 
We just had a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And we all had those epiphanies. Well, it's also a treasure hunt aspect. It's oh, huge. It's, you know, it's uh, it's like Value Village when you're 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 familiar mm-hmm. with that chain. I mean, it's uh, it's it's like going on hunting for treasure. Well, and it's fun. I mean, I read a lot of mysteries. I read them like candy. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like you know, pop one a night. A half price fix is great for me because mm-hmm. everything is half the list price. And if so not less. If right? not less, and most yeah. of them are less. Yeah, half the price off, but these would be like remainder books primarily, right? right? And but for the new books, the over, the overstocks. But for the yeah. used books, all the hardbacks, they're half list yeah. price or or less, and most of them are less. I mean, what we've noticed, I think, is what's changing in our business is uh, paperbacks. I think paperbacks is going to be that format is what's going to change mm-hmm. the most. Is it ebooks? Yeah, those are the ones I think that are going to suffer the most. And, and, and then the, the publishers will probably put more time and money and uh, love into alternative formats that can be appreciated for the object as, as objects. Well, I think, and that's going to be interesting to see because I think what's going to happen is paperbacks, that format will go away and there'll be more trade paper mm-hmm. and there'll be a few hardbacks for signing yeah. and for collectors, but those will go down. Actually, I was in London, I went to the London Book Fair and I was listening to um, this speaker and he was trying to sell their ebook platform and they said, well, we look at books not as products but as services just like that they think of as music. Mm-hmm. Music is a service. It's not tangible product, and mm-hmm. it could be anywhere. And uh, it was actually pretty disheartening to think of something that I value and I love and I collect as just some service that's offered. But to a lot of people it is. Yeah. They've read it and it's gone. So you think one of the keys then is that you actually, it's instead of tr- offering trade, you just offer cash. Actually, when with the gasoline prices going up, mm-hmm. we will see people come in looking for gas money. They'll bring the books in. They've never sold to us before. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's kind of interesting. They, they expect more money from me here that because everyone expects, because I paid 30 bucks for a book that I should get 15, yeah, 10 or 15 yeah. for it. And they don't understand that we have literally 100 copies of that same yeah. book in the yeah. back room. Yeah. Um, but... You know, a lot of people, we make a uh, we make an effort to explain our donation policy. We donate books all over the world, and we try to promote that fact, which I think is people don't understand what's going to happen. E-books, if e-books really go the way that everyone um, foresees them going, the sad part is publishers will just print less books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they have to through the numbers. Which will make the existing books that much more valuable in the, in the positive but what, the positive way. Right, it'll be that much more value. But what will happen is that literally we donate millions of books a year all over the world to a lot of third world countries and a lot of mm-hmm. uh, nonprofits. So that supply will start Sh- shrinking up. Yeah. And right now we regularly give books to homeless shelters, mm-hmm. um, and we just won't have them. We won't have them to give because they won't be available. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be a lot of people. My kids will save up their money for their iPhone and those for their iPads, and I'm not sure they're going to save up their money for their for their e-reader, and um, I'm not sure that certain income level families yeah. will be able to do that. And all the studies show if there's no books in the home, there's no literacy skills in the home, mm-hmm. and I so just a bigger gulf again between rich and poor, educated, uneducated. It will be because they may be able to have a laptop at school, just like they'll have textbooks at school, but they're not allowed to take them home. 
mm. and there really will be that gap. And um, there's, I mean, there's certain countries right now, United States and England. There's a big ebook business going on right now, and I'm sure Canada is the same way. But um, other third world countries and other parts of the world, there just isn't yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how quickly it'll be. But if the American publishers are not you know, if there's not a demand in America and Britain or Canada, then mm-hmm. they just won't print them. And I don't know what's going to happen. I just see the long-term effect, and I know that when we give um, books away to kids now and to families, they really, really love them and appreciate them. It's uh, sometimes the first book they've ever owned themselves. Yeah. And that's going to be real sad. But, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, quote, progress, unquote. Yeah, I um, think that that's, that's where we have to yeah. be careful yeah. about how quickly we move. And so I'm hoping that, I mean, there's more books published now, now than, than ever. ever. Yeah, I mean, printed, what, a mi- printed, printed books. Yeah, yeah, a million titles published last year or something yeah. crazy like that, yeah. which is, I can remember when it was, you know, <laughs> 70,000, and we thought it was a, a lot published from a distribution standpoint. There must just be a lot of one copies of things because yes. <laughs> I just can't imagine there'd be more. What about the accusation that you are putting the independent used bookseller out of business? Well, we do we do compete. I mean, my feeling is we're in competition with any bookstore because we offer, there's only so many people that buy actually buy books. Mm-hmm. My competitor is bookstores, but it's also if someone going to the movies and spending $10 at a movie. Leisure saying, time. Leisure yeah. time. There's a lot of competition out there. We do compete with um, a lot of independents for the book dollar. But, you know, a lot of them have been doing business longer than we have. We come in, people come sell books to us and say, well, gosh, we love your bookstore. You're friendlier. Your books are cheaper. You have more selection. I mean, our stores are, you know, eight to 10,000 square feet on average, most of the stores. And some yeah. of the independents are smaller bookstores. They're, they are really uh, like the Barnes & Noble of the used book business, mm-hmm. aren't they? Well, just in comparison between yeah. the 2,000 square foot to 8,000. Mm. Your catering uh, tips are pretty low, everyone. And There's collectible sections that you have as well. And the, I mean, we're not, we don't do as well in some of the stuff as some of the independents do. A lot of them, this main store in Dallas has a lot of collectibles. Not all the yeah. stores have the collectible sections that um, the other stores do. So there is a market there that I think the independence can really capitalize on and we really can't compete in that because now especially with the internet people if they know that their father had a great collection of some rare book mm. they're going to go online they're going to make some calls the a typical rare book dealer will go out and purchase collections we we have done that if somebody calls us depending on the volume of books we'll go out and look at it and we have bought Collections, and I think we just bought a big history collection from a, from a, from a, um, an individual who died in Minnesota. I heard about it, and so yeah. we our store people went out to to make an offer. You're going to make an offer, and it's a it's a free market, so um, you would pay what the market bears for that. Yeah, and we actually people don't understand being half price in our name. Yeah, I mean that works against us and for us. It was against us because if we know that we can, we're going to sell it for half list price. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, uh, you know, 1940s and the well, price was $1.95? Well, no, not if it was, you know, except for clari- rare and collectible books, we will, but we will be very competitive for the price. Yeah, we well, will be cheaper than most of the other ones because mm-hmm. our customers are pretty cheap. They come in, they expect a bargain, they expect 
dollar ninety eight paperbacks or dollar paperbacks, and they expect uh, to get a you know sneak piece of fiction. I don't know if they can get World War Two book, you know six ninety eight seven ninety eight. So we really can't have a real high priced yeah. Anna Karen book in the store. It's just the the market is just not there. So I think that there's enough of a market for people if they've shopped our stores, they know what we offer how they can differentiate themselves. I'm in marketing, you could tell, but mm -hmm. I really believe there's a place for everyone if they figure out who their best customer is. And they, you know, a lot of independents do a great job of combining their in-store experience with their online yes. and how they can make it work. And Do you put your books online or are they we all in-store? No, we, we have, uh, on halfpricebooks.com, we do have a marketplace mm -hmm. where we actually tie in with company that we offer booksellers, you know, we have 20,000 booksellers from all over the world that actually list through a service, a okay. marketplace, a marketplace, kind of like Amazon Marketplace. Right, okay. And basically, because our, we wanted to give, offer something different, and well, in addition to what our customers want, because they want to be able to find that current book, or they want to be able to find volume three of a four volume set and they can keep shopping on our stores and they weren't able to mm. find it so they can go online and shop it check yeah. out the inventory so really your your uh, interest then is to expand that two percent of the the population that uh, loves to read books is that uh, well, one of your missions well you know of course we love we love to expand um, and you are, right? You're, you're now at 112 stores going to 113. Right. But is the question that we want that w by having more stores, then hopefully we're exposing more people to more books? I think Oprah. Uh, I think Oprah's done a great job of that, actually. Yeah. yeah. You know, getting people to think about reading. We mm -hmm. want to make everyone have affordable reading and make it cheap enough for people to be able to read. Because back when 40 years ago, you know, it was like, oh, well, I couldn't afford a book or a book book was only geared towards a certain class or a certain um, income level. And so we still believe that. Mm -hmm. And we still, and actually now more than ever, and I think because of our price points, that people know they can get a good deal, and that's why they're coming to us, and especially in this economy. Yeah. They're going online, but if they want a quick fix, they're going to come to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, they may be able to find it online for a penny or for 99 cents, but then they have to wait two days and three days, and they may have to... Pay ten dollars in shipping where yeah. they can come and get our experience and walk away with a book. I mean, it's both. We have both kinds of customers. So you're at uh, 112 stores. Mm -hmm. We opened our 113th in June in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. What are your uh, plans for the next five years? Oh, five years. We usually open six, seven stores a year, and we expect to kind of keep that same growth rate. What the economy has done for us is we're able to open in markets that have been pretty expensive in the past. California, we're uh, currently in the Bay Area. Uh, we just opened a new store in Dublin, which is on the East Bay. And expensive meaning the, rent, the, the rent rates are rent rates. not cheap. Or not cheap yeah, at all. Yeah. But two years ago, it was 25% higher. They were quoting us in the same shopping center. Okay. And so then they were gonna rent it the space to somebody else. And so then we kind of waited out and we have other places in the country we were looking at opening stores and then they came back to us and got deals for free and hmm. they said, we want to make a deal. And we're like, okay. So even though the economy is not very good on the West Coast at all, we're saying even the Midwest, we know that if we get a cheap enough rent deal, we can make their numbers work. Even, even in short term, we may not get a sales growth, but long term with the discounted rent, we can make, you know, we can be successful. 
Are you working with uh, independent used bookstores to uh, sort of uh, uh, encourage each other's business? No, in that it's not that we, uh, you know, don't like each other, but we just really don't have any communication with them. But really, my but background is in marketing. I would love to help anybody figure out how to m how to drive their traffic. I'm president of the um, National Retail Marketing Association. It's part of the National Re Retail Federation. Because yeah, if you're if you're appealing to a slightly different audience, and yet it's the same general product, you could certainly refer people back and forth. Well, and we do. Time. No, uh, no, that's definitely something we do. And I mean. Uh, you know, because you want to help your customer. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you can tell them, oh, you should go over and check out that book, or we don't have that title, somebody else will, mm -hmm. we'll refer to them. Yeah. Because that's just real good business. Because people appreciate it, and especially book people. Book people are real nice people, mm -hmm. and the the consumer is. And so I think that that's what I, what I was saying earlier about um, Borders. I hate that Borders is having the financial problems. And I don't want to see them go out of business. Mm -hmm. I don't want any retailer to go out of business. I don't want um, Barnes & Noble to have monopoly on a big box retailer. And and so the more bookstores that are out there, the more that books can get home, you know, can get a home and they mm -hmm. can get arms and legs and think of all the books that would have been lost if we, if only a couple of buyers got to decide mm -hmm. what was mm -hmm. gonna, what, what they were gonna do. That's the beauty of independent um, films, the same way, independent bookstores. I mean, there's books out there that are a little bit different. It'll be interesting to see how we all survive, and I think we will if we can just, you know, at the end of the day, you have to do real good business. I mean, there's basic business principles that it's amazing to me that small retailers, not just bookstore retailers, don't do. Your sign has to be lit. It needs to be lit. I mean, it drives me nuts when I go to our <laughs> bookstores and they, they put the sign, it cuts off at midnight. And I'm like, really? Why? People are up out till two or three in the morning? It doesn't cost us any more, a little bit more money and electricity? Keep the sign lit. You know, get your hours out there. Look at the shopping center. Where are you standing in the shopping center? I mean, I always walk the center to try to figure out what the, our neighbors are doing. And, you know, I mean, it's just a new, fresh set of eyes. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what we have to do. And when somebody walks in your store, you better look them in the eye and you better ask them if they need help and sell them an extra dollar. Which I something. think is which I think has been a bit of a problem for the antiquarian book trade. Often people will come in and they'll feel intimidated. I think it's hard for people to walk into a bookstore, mm. especially if they're not comfortable in there. So their first, especially into a rare antiquarian, kind of be funky and wonderful, but it's also, oh my gosh, if, is someone going to think I'm stupid because I want a romance novel. Yeah. I mean, or you know, I don't know the difference between a first edition. Right. And they don't even know what a first edition is. Yeah. And I think that that kind of comfort is hard. I mean, I love going, of course, of course, book people love to go to other bookstores just because they like to see, I collect old books, old kids' books, so I love to go and see everyone else's merchandise and um, and find some treasures everywhere, I tr wherever, everywhere I travel. But mm. Um, it's interesting to see the climate of books changing, that, that more people are selling more things than just books. Mm -hmm. I was talking to our, uh, we have a wholesale division, Texas Bookman, and we uh, sell to book, book shops all over the world. I mean, it's like a chain out of Australia. And I was asking them, as I said, so what, what is the number one thing you're selling? What is it that, you know, what's your bookstores look like? And he's like, teapots. 
we sell an awful lot of teapots. I went, oh, okay, that's the answer, sell teapots. But in that, in his market <laughs> to his stores, mm -hmm. that sells. And I think sometimes you just have to look at your market and look what your people want and they want bookmarks, you make sure you got bookmarks. And, and I guess you would find that throughout the United States too, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Like down here in Texas, you might sell a few more Bibles than you would up in Maybe, mm -hmm. in uh, wherever else you are, up in Illinois if you're up there, or, or, or Pennsylvania. Well, or I maybe not, I don't know. But is there, maybe you could tell us, uh, is there, are there some interesting quirky trends where it's, uh, you know, you sell a lot more of one kind of book somewhere well, and I not elsewhere? Yes, I think you do. I think you sell, depending if it's a suburban or an urban setting, if you're closer to downtown people, um, usually you get more urban fair, so you get uh, a little bit more art books, a little bit more Everyone. little business books, mm -hmm. uh, but if you're out in the suburbs, you get um, our kids sections do real well. Mm -hmm. And yeah. because there's more families, yeah. and I think that you know, I mean, a lot of it's common sense, yeah. but um, everyone is trying to figure out uh, the right merchandise mix. And I think that at Barnes and Noble, now the last one I was in, they're selling baby blankets and puzzles, and they're actually turning into an upscale um, toy store. I mean, yeah. they they are selling <laughs> just some really fancy toys, I mean educational toys. Yeah, whatever uh, suits the lifestyle. Yeah. Right, because yeah. they knew that they're, uh, they're selling less books, so they have a big 30,000 square foot store to fill, and what are we going to fill it with? Yeah. So they got baby blankets and puzzles and <laughs> games. Right. And, but they're trying to survive yeah. in, a in an ever-changing marketplace, and I think everyone is doing that, and they're trying new things. I mean, I think we are constantly trying new things, and part of, I was just in a meeting today, and we were talking about trying something new, and everyone went, half the people in the room were like, that'll never work, why are we doing that? And I'm like, because we're an industry that's changing, and we have to move or, or die, and, mm -hmm. and so you just really have to constantly challenge yourself to think about things different. You, business, you cannot continue to do business the same way. Yeah, and that'll be my uh, final question, which is, uh, you are an expert in marketing, so perhaps you could give some advice to your competition, primarily, again, these lovely, smaller, independent antiquarians, their bookstores that any book lover loves. What would you do if you were setting one of those up? If it was my store, I would, um, in this economy, I'd be talking to my landlord to get a discount in the rent. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how major, major retailers are all over the country, all over the world, are getting discount rent. You have that power. You have the, you have the right to do it. And a lot of people are just scared to do it. Even though you have a five-year lease, go to your landlord. Say, business is down. Help me, and I will help you in the long run. They don't want to lose you. You have to understand that. Mm -hmm. I would, I would look at my business in fresh eyes. I'd get my staff together. I would get them to um, try to, you know, call, uh, call people if. If there's a book that someone wants and they're, they've been looking for it, well, you know what? You need to help them. You need to get a little bit more customer service. You need to stretch them a little bit farther. You need to do it a little bit more. And you need to like empower all your employees to start thinking the same way because they have to understand they could lose their jobs and their love. And so they really have to help. We're all in this together kind of scenario. And, you know, you basically look at where you can cut costs. 
I mean, that stuff that we really don't need to deal with and we need to, we need to cut costs. We need to, everyone that walks into a store, if you do not have their name and address and their email address to send them a follow-up correspondence, big mistake. Because that's something you've got, everyone that walks in, you should know everything about them. And you should send something to them. And then you should recommend, uh, send something to them and then ten telling them to turn around and pass it on to a friend or, you know, some love. Because if I was in Boston and I went to a bookstore and I moved back to Dallas now, but I would, I want to come back. I, I could shop you online. I could get you, you know, email is such a cheap, cheap way of communication. And it's something that people, you know, it drives me nuts when our employees, I know how many thousands of transactions we get a day. And then I see how many people they sign up on the mailing list. And I'm, and I'm just like nuts because I'm thinking, really? You let thousands of people walk out your doors every day and... You didn't. You maybe sold them to one thing, but you know nothing about them. Indeed. And if you, the more you can find about them, especially in a business that's so personal, and it, this industry is so personal, and it can be. And you know, I mean, you know now that I collect old funky kids books. Oh my gosh, if they were cheap enough, and I didn't mind. I wouldn't mind getting them sources from all over, and I wouldn't mind if it was a little banged up a little because I'm not looking for, I'm looking for certain books, but I'm also an expert, and you're an expert, so we can treat each other professionally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not going to over, you're not going to gouge me on the price, because I know as well as you do what's really valued. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but be honest with each other, and I think that there's enough business for everyone. The problem is that so many people are spending so much time trying to figure out how to make payroll and how to, to keep the lights on, that they can't step outside their stores and look at what they really have to offer. Well, and also, I mean, again, some of the, one of the things that I find um, pleasing about bookset booksellers as a as a group is that they aren't pushy. Okay. I know. They're not doing this kind of thing, and I like that. I like being, you know, going in and doing my own thing and asking a few questions. But on the other hand, th I suppose there is a there is a way of doing it that. That, that might be appropriate, it's, but as long as they do something in that direction, is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's very personality-driven, and I mm. think bookstore people, and it happens in our stores, too. They love working in a bookstore. Well, most people who are big bookstore people and are readers are somewhat of introverts because mm. <laughs> mm. they don't like being around crowds and people, and that's why they, you know, wander around bookstores. But then you need to hire people who are a little different than you are. Then you need to get that summer intern in for the summer, and they would love, love. to help you make mm. changes to your store. My nephew graduated in December and hasn't found a job yet. I have him working, doing some odd jobs around here at the, at the bookstore. You pay a min minimum wage, and they'll take it, and they'll love it, and they'll be able to be a great resource for you. And they're out there. They really are. Final question, I promise. <laughs> no, no, you know I love talking about this, as you can tell. So do you. <laughs> the um, I'm interested in, in <laughs> exactly what you you just said. What do you collect specifically? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I read, like I said, I read fiction just because that's like candy to me. I read also read um, archaeology books and. So what do you history. collect? I collect I collect kids books, probably like pre 1900s. I 
really um, not the Nancy Drew type. No, 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 I have I have those because because I was Nancy Drew growing up. That's why I read mysteries because yeah. I was Nancy Drew. It it doesn't make any sense. I have to look at the book. I have to see the book, and something will spark in me that it could be a dog like I used to have when I was a kid or. Uh, I just picked up a book the other day because it was some weird off-the-wall title because the the little girl in the book on the cover was like my daughter when she was two. I mean, it's you know, it's all an emotional yeah. thing. Yeah. It isn't a particular publisher. It's yeah. more about the feel and the just falling in love, falling in love with the book. Mm -hmm. And I did tell my kids, my family, my husband, because. You know, he always say, "Well, I don't know why he had this book," and then he would put it away somewhere because I hide it because, mm -hmm. of course, you don't want to ruin it. But um, I also pull them out, and I think book people don't do that enough. During Easter, at different parts of um, the year, I will pull out my books and I will put them on the table, and I will stack them up and I will share them. And I think that you know, I have all the Christmas books I've collected over the years that my people have given me and my kids have read and I will put them out at Christmas time and I will um, different seasons I will just bring out my books and put them out on the and they make me smile on my coffee table and on my dining room table instead of a bunch of flowers I'll just put my books out on sort of on display but also yeah. it's nice it's such a nice little conversation yeah and I, again I, I just interviewed a professor who specializes in collecting and it's she talks about how it's like it's part of your identity and that it's almost it's a sort of the proof of your identity and also a way for you to tell the story about your identity. Oh, that's interesting. See, I didn't even know I was doing all that, but that's exactly it. So I think that, but I also like to share it because I think people, especially non-book people that come to my house, mm -hmm. they don't understand it or know it, and they ask about it. and. They love it when I tell them a little story or why this is valuable, why it's not, and anything that we can help um, promote reading and the printed word mm. <laughs> versus the ebook, we should. We have, we have sort of, I mean, plus my kids need to understand what the future is and that they need to have the appreciation. And they they may not, and but you do what you yeah you do what you can. You right? do what you can. You go yeah. on from there. So yeah. that's great. Well, thank you for. Uh, for uh, doing what you've done today. Oh, well, thank you. Are you kidding? This has been fun. I love talking about books and the business, and I just don't want to think that we're, all of us are going out of business. I was at Bunling Book Fair, and there was thousands of people walking the halls, buying and selling books, and there was, of course, the electronic book people out there, but there's just too many great books out there for us all to see that we have to stay in business so we, could, so we can continue to promote them and share them with others. Great. Thank you again. Okay. I've been speaking with uh, Kathy Doyle Thomas, who's Executive Vice President of Half Price Books here in uh, Dallas, Texas.